Hello God's people, Pastor Vic Borden here on my deck right outside my dining room on a warm, sunny uh, spring afternoon wanting to bring the continuation of this series on the human conscience. Today is part two in this three-part series uh, and it'll end the following Wednesday next week. Last week, you'll remember, in part one, that we learned about the operation of the conscience. We learned that the human conscience is the so-called inner voice, which speaks commendation, it commends us for when we do right, or condemnation when we do not do right. In fact, Romans chapter 2 tells us that God's law is written on the conscience of every person. So we inherently know that murder is wrong, stealing is wrong, lying is wrong. And last week we read from Acts chapter 22, beginning in verse 24, through chapter 23, verse 5. And I want you to read that just so that you, by way of catching up and getting the context, I'm not going to read it here, but Acts chapter 22, beginning in verse 24, through chapter 23 and verse 5. And that will tell you the narrative of Paul when he defended himself before the Jewish leaders and the Roman authorities. He had been terrorized for doing nothing more than simply presenting the gospel of the glorious grace of God in Christ. But Paul's conscience accused him when he rebuked Ananias, the high priest, uh, not knowing that he was the high priest, and he said, it's not right to speak against the ruler of the people. So we saw a narrative of someone's conscience condemning him even though he did not have full information at the time. Today is part two. Last week, the operation of the conscience. Today, the violation of the conscience. And not going to look at any one passage, but going to share assorted Bible verses as it pertains to this subject through this devotional. And so, the violation of the conscience. I'm not an airplane pilot, most of you are not either, but all of us have heard of the early warning system or systems on an airplane, which alert the pilot to impending or potential danger, such as low altitude or maybe running out of fuel. A warning will go off. In fact, we had these in our cars, as a matter of fact. Problems with the landing gear and the like. An early warning signal or message will sound, and that alerts the pilot to something being a problem. Well, the human conscience is the early warning system in our being. It's to benefit us uh, so that we can steer away from that which is unhealthy. And so one ought not try to silence or ignore or dismiss or excuse the human conscience. In fact, we need to listen very clearly to that. So I want to offer three ways in which the violation of the, 
the conscience, and there's likely more ways than that, but I want to offer three for this devotional, in which violating the human conscience is detrimental. It will be detrimental to the person who violates his or her conscience. First of all, the violation of the conscience, it destroys spiritual intimacy with God. Now, that's a strong statement. That's a strong declarative statement. But let me read you an important, compelling verse for this. Psalm 66 and verse 18. A strong warning about what happens when you don't have a clear conscience. It says, if I regard iniquity, that is, I harbor, I allow to exist iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So, in in essence, it it cuts off communication, communion with the Lord. It stifles that relationship. Doesn't mean I've lost my salvation, but it certainly means, it must mean, that the freshness of my spiritual walk is going to come, if not to a screeching halt, certainly it's going to be greatly hindered uh, if I am harboring, if I'm entertaining, if I'm massaging sin. If I'm ignoring that early warning uh, uh, signal and I violate my conscience, then the Lord is not going to hear my prayer. Now, it doesn't mean that God stops to be being omniscient. Certainly he knows he's not going to regard my prayer if I regard sin in my heart. We have all kinds of biblical examples for this. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, uh, Jonah and David and Solomon and Peter and Naomi and just yourself, myself. How when there's been a violation of the conscience and it has been suppressed, problems follow. There's a distancing from an intimate walk with the Lord. John MacArthur wrote in his book, and he has a book on this very subject, The Vanishing Conscience. And he said, no matter what problem you suffer from, whether you are a cannibalizing serial murderer, (laughs) in other words, he's going to the maximum extreme, or just someone struggling with emotional distress, you can easily find someone who will explain to you why you're failing is not your fault, and teach you how to silence a troubled conscience. It's not wise. It's not healthy. It's not a good idea to try to silence that conscience when you have violated it because it destroys intimacy, spiritual intimacy, with God. Secondly, the violation of the conscience defiles relational integrity with others. It destroys spiritual intimacy with God, Psalm 66, 18, and it defiles, ruins, soils relational integrity with others. I want to read uh, Hebrews chapter 12, preaching through the book of Hebrews at Redbridge on Sunday mornings whenever we get back together and we're actually um, in a worship service together. But Hebrews chapter 12 speaks of that very issue of, it says, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which 
no man shall see the Lord. Uh, that, uh, that's written in uh, verse 14. And then in verse 15 of Hebrews 12, it says, looking diligently, being very zealous to discover and to not fail of the grace of God, lest, or in case, any root of bitterness spring up, trouble you, and by it, by that root of bitterness, many are defiled. And so those who have a disruption in the relational integrity with others cause a, a great defilement. It is problematic. It hurts the relationship. Many are defiled. Warren Wiersbe describes the conscience as a window. If the conscience is clear, then all the light and the warmth comes flooding into the room. But if the conscience is soiled and seared like a dirty window, then the room is gloomy and cold, uh, and it's not in inviting. And that's how it is. When the conscience has been violated and relationships between one another, husband, wife, uh, Fam, other family members, folks within the body of Christ, when that relationship has been damaged, it's unhealthy. And it takes place when the conscience is violated. That is, there's sin and there's the conviction of sin or the accusation of the conscience by the Spirit of God living within us. And it's not addressed. It's not dealt with. And we see that in the life of Naomi, in the book of Ruth, how she said, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitterness, for the Almighty had done, dealt me a bitter hand, is in essence what she was saying. In fact, it was so pronounced that others, when they saw Naomi, didn't even recognize who she was because her countenance had so changed. And so it certainly does soil the relational oneness or integrity with other people. And so it, it uh, hurts, it destroys spiritual intimacy with God when I violate my conscience. It defiles relational integrity or oneness with others when I do that because, because I'm carrying around a burden. I have a weight strapped over me and it is having violated my conscience and not being willing to deal with it or address it. And then thirdly, when the conscience is violated, it diminishes physical intensity in self. It has a physical effect on you. The Word of God speaks to that. As a matter of fact, the Word of God speaks about that to a great degree. The person who has a soiled conscience negatively affects himself or herself in your own person. Psalm 32, verses 3 and 4 says, When I kept silent, that is, I didn't confess my sin, I didn't deal with it, I suppressed it, I ignored it, I rejected the accusing conscience. When I did that, my bones waxed old, grew old through my roaring all the day long. That is, through the heaviness of the guilt through the heaviness of the accusing conscience, it affected me. It'll, it will affect you if you violate your conscience. For day and night, thy hand, God, your hand, was 
heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. I just kind of dry up. I just wither away uh, in my being when I am occupied with an accusing conscience and will not address it. A believer, a child of God, who doesn't gain and maintain a clear conscience will see it play out in all kinds of manifestations in your own life. David prayed in Psalm 51 and verse 8. You'll remember that he sinned with Bathsheba. And Psalm 51 is his prayer um, relating to us what happened to him. And he says in verse 8, and it's a prayer. God, make me hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice so that my being, so that the depth of my being may once again be vital, be healthy, and not be afflicted due to the violation of the conscience. Verses such as Proverbs 15 and verse 30 says, The light of the eyes rejoiceth the heart, and a good report maketh the bones fat. In other words, when things are right between you and God and you and your fellow man, then there's rejoicing, then there's health. Proverbs 17 and verse 22, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. That is, when I'm carrying around the burden of a violation of my conscience, when I've sinned and I know it and and I'm not willing to address it, there's not commendation coming toward me, there's condemnation, and it affects me personally. Proverbs 14 and verse 30, a sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. And so once again, sin is going to have a detrimental effect on you. Sin in my life will have a detrimental effect on me. Proverbs 12 and verse 4, a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. And so again, you see the relational uh, problem and, and, and lack of health that that contributes uh, to, or that happens as a result of the violation of the conscience. It's part and parcel of that. And so, the operation of the conscience conscience is to commend or condemn so that we may respond accordingly. The violation of the conscience uh, is extremely detrimental to everyone, to one and all, believers and unbelievers. If you are a child of God, you have a way to address this. If you're not a child of God, the only way to address it is to say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Forgive me. Save me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I want to be one of yours. If you're already a believer, a follower of Christ, then you can address the violation of a conscience. I'm going to deal with that in part three next week in great detail. But suffice it to say that confession and repentance is always the way to deal with sin. Confessing. Saying about sin the same thing God says about it. It's evil. It's wrong. It's, it, it's uh, mutiny against the captain of your ship. And you are to turn from it. So repent. 
acknowledge that sin and turn from that and turn back to the Lord. Your conscience accuses you because of sin, and sin is only addressed through confessing and repenting. It's really the principle found in Proverbs 28 and verse 13, which says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesses and forsakes them, that is, repents, turns from them, shall have mercy. And so, even right now, if there is a violation of the conscience, that is, you've sinned against God and you know it. You've sinned against someone else. You're holding bitterness in your heart because someone has sinned against you. Uh, you're being affected. It's hanging around all the time. It's that cloud hanging over you. It's that, it's that uh, dirty window that the warmth and the light won't shine into your soul like it once did. If that's the case for you, confess that right now. Lord, I, I've, I'm aware of this. My conscience has been accusing me. And I acknowledge this as sin in your eyes, and I'm turning from it right now. And I want to be renewed and restored in my intimate, fresh walk with you, even right now, Lord. Heavenly Father, would you hear and answer the prayer of your people, maybe going out to you right now in this very, uh, with this very issue, sin which has been harbored, which has been entertained, which has been excused and rationalized. There's been alibis uh, made for it. There's been a, a, uh, a sense of, of uh, trying to suppress it, move on. And yet, Jonah couldn't run far enough to get away from your convicting presence by your Spirit. Move in the hearts of your people to confess, to repent, to turn, and turn to you. And Lord, for any who are watching by way of internet, even right now, grant repentance and faith to turn from their own way, from their religion, from their dead works, from their self-effort, from their rebellion, and in faith, Lord Jesus, call upon you for salvation. Be glorified in and through the responses to this, your word, this day. Uh, for you alone, Lord, are worthy. In your glorious name, Lord Jesus, we do pray. Amen. God bless you. See you back next week at this same time for lesson three in this series, The Human Conscience.